0: Well, to all you moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Okay, let's give it up for the moms. This is awesome. Now, for you guys out there, let me let you in on something. We are into hardcore discipleship here, okay, at LifePoint Church. And the standard isn't just treating your, your, your wife or your mom a queen for the day. It's a queen for all year. Right, ladies? So again, let's give it up for the moms. It is so good. As you came in, just as a gift to all women in our church, I, I gave you a one-minute kind of devotional. And you may be thinking, well, why just one minute? Because you know, generally women are so busy taking care of us guys, that's about all you get. A time for yourself is about one minute. And I will elaborate on that a little bit more this morning. Today we're going to talk about how to develop our inner core, our inner person, our deep soul. The soul is that which holds together our our minds and our emotions. Now when it comes to this holiday, I can tell you this, I I have mixed thoughts, emotions about it. Truly I do. Because on one hand, this holiday is like a Hallmark movie. Have you ever seen those Hallmark movies? They're really syrupy sweet, right? And that's kind of one type of experience around Mother's Day. On the other hand, this holiday can be filled with all kinds of anxious emotions, maybe because of a loss, a physical loss of a mom, or just a relational loss. And so I find, and you find as well, that there is a whole range of emotions around Mother's Day. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, what, what, a, what would it be like if we talked about what was going on in our inner person in regards to the different emotions that we have about our parents, our moms, maybe just life in general? What, what is it that drives us? What is it that motivates us? What are we really going for in life? And as I thought about that, I thought that there are some powerful core desires that I think that we all share in life. One is simply that we want to love and we want to be loved. We we want to belong and be a part of something. The other thing is this, that we really want to know that our time here on earth has made a difference. I think moms want to know that. In fact, I think us dads want to know that, right? We want to know that we haven't wasted our lives, that we just haven't taken up space, that truly our life is making an impact that may even reach into the next generation. Truly this legacy idea, some take on with a vengeance. We hear things like, I am going to be the world's best mom. I am going to be the world's best care provider. I'm going to be the world's best dad. I'm going to be the world's best financial provider. I'm going to be the world's best mathematician, tech person. I'm just going to be the world's best. And there's nothing wrong with having aspirations like that because I really believe that God has placed those in our hearts. But the reality is this, that there are a few problems when you and I aspire to be the the world's best at anything. You see, most people don't reach the pinnacle of human achievement. Only one person can be number one. And so it doesn't happen to to all of us. And you add to that, oftentimes when I hear people talk about, I want to be the world's best whatever, On that list of achievements, I don't find this that I want to grow my inner person. That I want to grow my soul. And if you think about it, it ought to be at the top of the list, shouldn't it? Because we really understand, do we not, that what is on the outside is the result of what is on the inside. And this thing that God has given us in in the way of a soul, folks, it's an eternal soul. Our soul is eternal. It is limitless. There's no ceiling. There's not a time in our life as we focus in on our inner core that we can say, you know what, I've arrived. I am there. I'm at the top now. And the thing that I love the most about focusing in on our inner being, this thing called the soul, is that it is available to every person. You see, folks, I will never be the world's best dad I will never be the world's best pastor. I will never be the world's best provider. But here's the reality. I can grow a deep soul. A soul that has breadth and depth and width and height. And it doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your racial background is. It doesn't matter what economic status you are in. You can grow a deep soul. And that is why Jesus said this in Matthew 22 and verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Jesus takes this desire to pursue greatness. This greatness that many of us take on with a vengeance. And he says this, if you want to be great, focus in on the inner person. Focus in on your soul that holds together your mind and your emotions together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And every single one of us can do that. That is reachable for each and every one of us here. We can love God with our hearts and with our souls and with our minds. And maybe as we do that, the greatest thing that might result is that we will leave a legacy to the next generation. As we do that, maybe we will come to a place where we will know at the end of our days that what will be said about us is not the list of 50 achievements that we have with all the 50 gold watches and the 50 plaques and the 50 trophies that are in our family rooms, but rather we will hear these words, she loved the Lord her God with all her heart, soul, and mind. He loved the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, and mind. They loved God with the very fabric of their being. And so today, on Mother's Day, regardless of our gender, how do you and I develop and grow a deep soul? Well, I want us to start off by having us write this down. Spiritual growth is a process in which God and I each have a part. You see, we each have a part. There's God's part and there's my part. There's God's part, and to be honest with you, we don't have to worry about God, do we? And then there is your part. And the starting point of developing a deep soul, growing a deep soul, is responding to God's invitation and starting a relationship with Jesus Christ by making him the Lord of your life. Will you write this down? God's part is that he invites, my part is that I respond. Now, if you survey all of Scripture, you know and understand that God chose us first, that God is the initiator. We don't seek God. He's the one who seeks after us. And he chose us first before the foundations of the world. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Even before he came, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now there's a lot here in this verse, but let me just have you capture this one thought, and it's this. God has a heart for his people. God made the universe so as to make our solar system, so as to make our planet. And he made our planet in such a way that it would sustain life so that he can make you. God's heart is for you you are no accident you are not plan b you are no afterthought God has had you on his mind before creation came in to being you are the apple of his eye and God put that awareness that he exists and that you are special you know that don't you You go out in creation and you look and you know inherently that you are at the top of the chain. That there is nothing greater than mankind itself. And at the same time, as we know that we're at the top of the chain, we know that there's one person that's a step above us. You might write this down in Psalms 19 verse 1. It says that the heavens proclaim the glory of God and the skies declare his craftsmanship. You see, as we look at creation, we don't stumble on necessarily, oh, there's this God out there. No, God has prepped it. He has prepped the work by giving us creation and by giving us a soul that longs for eternity. He's placed eternity in our hearts, according to Ecclesiastes 3. And that is this desire to look for something more than ourselves. And we know that. Though we fill our lives with lesser things, folks, we know innately there's something more. And the remedy for for the more is to respond to God through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Take a look at James chapter 1 and verse 21. Humbly welcome the word, the word of creation. God spoke it into existence. The word of truth that's found in his Bible, and his final word, he's spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Humbly welcome the word which has been planted in you and can save your soul. Will you circle the word humbly? You see, there's no pride in receiving Christ because there's nothing that you and I have ever done to earn the right to have a living, vital relationship with the living God. You see, to do that, this relationship isn't a reward. It's just humbly admitting that Jesus, it is humbly admitting that Jesus is enough by making him the Lord of your life. You see, Paul says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, I can tell you this. Most people believe in Easter. Well, how do I know that? Because 3,800 people showed up Easter, okay? We believe in Easter. The question is, have you confessed him as Lord of your life? You see, that's where you and I begin to develop a deep soul. And if you haven't done that yet, today can be your day. Now, once you respond to to God and his invitation, and let's say we're having a conversation at McDonald's and we're knee-to-knee and face-to-face, the second thing that I would say and bring up to you is this. Will you write this down? God's part is that he is found, and my part is that I seek him that I continuously seek him. And if I do, he'll be found. That word seek means to pursue after, to inquire, to ask questions, to look for, to go after. Now, I don't know about you, but I can definitely speak for myself. I've walked with Jesus for over 40 years now. And I would say this, that if you've walked with Jesus over a long period of times, sometimes we get into a slump with him, don't we? Sometimes that relationship becomes ho-hum, and and, and as a result, we begin to subtly drift away. I've been there. I'm sure you have been too. And so what we need to do is we need to constantly and consistently choose to seek him. One of the verses that I love out of Psalms is where David says this, My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. You see, we're all seeking something, aren't we? Consciously or unconsciously. The question is, what are we seeking after? Approval through through social media? Popularity? Having the perfect clothes, the perfect body? Being the perfect world-class mom and caregiver or dad and provider? You see, what is it that you and I are seeking after that may be keeping us from seeking after Jesus and again there's nothing wrong with seeking after those other things but sometimes those other things can become a trap can't they now I'm gonna be really honest with you this is where a whole lot of people begin to start checking out because they begin to require they begin to understand that what's required to truly seek after God is that it's gonna take some time some talent and some treasures but in the pursuit It's in the pursuit though that you get the fruit. And that fruit, you know what it is? It's him. When I was a young Christian, I used to think there was this verse in Psalms 37 verse four where it said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I thought, okay, God, I love you. I want a new car and I want new clothes and I need a new girlfriend and I need a new body. And I I, I just thought, man, that's what I want. I've been reading through the Bible. I'm going through the whole Bible the second time this year. Just reading it. And just this past week, I read Psalms 37.4. And I reflected on it. You see, what God taught me way back then was that, hey, if I delight myself in the Lord, what I get is what I delight in. And that's Him. You see, if you and I will delight, if you and I will seek him. God says this, you'll find me. How many of us here right now, growing up played hide and seek? Just put up your hands, keep keep them up there. Look around. Okay, you can put them down. I I wanna let you know, it's, it's a favorite game of kids, is it not? It is my favorite game as a grandpa. You wanna know why? I don't have to run. I don't little over a week ago, after I had a meeting with the CEO who came in from Utah and we were talking and I got back home, my my whole family was there. All my daughters-in-laws and my grandkids and my sons and, and Uncle David is there. When Uncle David is in the room, it is chaotic, okay? I mean, there is noise, there's running around. I walk in the room, I mean, I just wanted to walk right back out, okay? And they say, Grandpa, will you chase after us? No, I'm a grandpa. I get in my grandpa chair. You get on my lap. Let me love you, okay? But when when it's my turn to play hide and seek, here's what I do. I hide in the craziest places. I get into my dark closet behind the clothes. Why? Because I know my my grandkids will be too afraid to go in there. And that time becomes my quiet time. Now, I share that little story to make this point. Far too often, we think God is the same way. We think he's hidden himself, and the only people that can really find him are the spiritually elite. Those are the ones that get the deep things of God. And the rest of us little minions, we get the scraps that are left over. Folks, that's just not true. That's just not true. Nothing could be further from the heart of God. You see, I say this whatever you do, don't settle for a vanilla Jesus. Don't settle for a vanilla Christ. Don't settle for vanilla Christianity. Don't settle for the whole hum, for the status quo. Take a look at what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 29 13 and 14. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. This was a call to a rebellious nation of Israel. He says, come find me. And when he says that, he's not speaking to the spiritually elite. He's speaking to his rebellious kids of Israel. And he says this, if you will seek me, I promise you this, that you will find me. Now, you may be asking the question, well, how do I do that, Pastor George? Well, I would not be so presumptuous as to think that the way you find Jesus is the way I find Jesus. Folks, I am very linear, okay? I am very linear. If you've been here long enough, you know. One, two, three, four points. I'm very linear, okay? When I wake up in the morning before my feet hit the bed, my first thought is, okay, God, you've given me another day of life. I cannot wait to attack. When my feet hit the ground, they take me to the potty, and I potty. I then wash my hands. I then go into the kitchen, and I make a pot of coffee because I don't believe in God until I've had at least one cup. I open my Bible. I I have a little prayer. I read it. I take some notes. I close in prayer, and then I attack my day. You see, that's how I've come to know Jesus but I wouldn't presume that it would be the same way for you. However, walking with Jesus 40 plus years, I can say this, that there are some common things that have to happen. One is this, you need to find alone time where you are number two unhurried and where number three, you can just get into God's word. Now, moms, whatever you do right now, don't check out on me because I know what you're thinking. Well, he's Pastor George is again talking about quiet time. does he know that I am a mom? Thank you very much, Pastor George, for the one minute devotion. I don't have, you know, 15, 20 minutes. My family is all over me. Pastor George, do you realize that the only alone time, I get it, it's not even alone time, is when I go to the bathroom, I shut the door. And then there are little kids. Mommy, are you in there? The fingers come under the door. Mommy, are you there? The vanity mirror goes under. They're looking. Mom, are you in there? You see, what I want you to understand is this this thing called pursuing God, having some alone time where you're unhurried and you just get into God's word, is not a law. Folks, it is a relationship. You are being invited into an intimate relationship. It is like a marriage. You see, if I want to know my wife intimately, and if she wants to know me intimately, folks, it doesn't happen through, drive-by, through a drive-by relationship. Hey, how are you? Great, how are you? Great, I love you. You look awesome. Oh, yeah, I know I do. I love you too. You look awesome as well. Guess what? That isn't gonna grow a deep marriage. And the same is true with Jesus. If you want depth, it's got, it's, you have to have a long time where you are unhurried and you just get into God's word. And that may be one minute as you're in the drive or in the driveway getting ready to pick up the kids and you turn off the radio and you pull out a one-minute devotional. Or it may be in the restroom, I don't know. But if you want a deep soul, God says this, there's my part, and then there's your part. If we continue to have this conversation where we were just at McDonald's, okay, knee-to-knee and face-to-face, the third thing that I would bring up would be simply this. We write this down? God's part is that he teaches me, and my part is that I learn. You see, when Jesus was on this earth, he spent three years with his disciples and they had a very close, intimate relationship. They did everything together. They traveled together. They ate together. They even went on a cruise together, okay, boating. They they went to, I think they went to Palm Springs. They went to the desert together. They, They saw his miracles. They heard his teaching. And every question that they had, He answered. They came to depend on him and his wisdom for everything that they had questions about in life. But you know the story, don't you? At the end of his ministry, he pulls his disciples aside and he says, Here's the deal, guys I'm going to be crucified. And when I do, I'm going to go back and be with my heavenly father. Yes, I'm going to be, yes, I'm, I won't be here physically, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I am going to give you the Holy Spirit who is going to guide you into all truth. Take a look at this verse in John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. I love John 14, 26, I'm adding this, you can write it down. But the counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and he'll remind you of everything that I have said to you. Jesus said, yes, you know what? I'm not gonna be back physically anymore, but don't sweat it. I'm gonna give you the Spirit the spirit of the living God and he's gonna be inside of you. He is going to be in your inner man. He is gonna be partnering with your soul and he is going to remind you of all truth. Now, because Jesus hasn't walked on earth in my lifetime and I say that because some of you think I've been around that long, okay? I haven't. And because Jesus hasn't walked on earth in your lifetime, folks, how do you and I find the answers for the questions of life? Because there's all kinds of questions, aren't there? We're dealing with some heavy ones on Tunnel of Chaos, which we will jump back into next week. Questions like, what college should I go to? What should my major be? Who should I marry or should I marry? Should I have kids? When should I have kids? How many kids should I have? Should we buy a house? Should we move? Should we have mom move in with us? You see, we have a lot of questions in life, don't we? And what we look for is this. We look for reliable wisdom to get those questions answered. And the answer to those questions for us is found in God's word. And in God's word, God says this, that you have the Holy Spirit who is alive and well in your inner being, who will bring to light truth that will guide you on your journey. There are times when people come up to me, and it's not me who will come up to me and says, Pastor George, were you a mouse in my house this week? Did, did, did you read my mail this past week? When I was here at church last week and you hugged me, did you put a little microphone on me? Because it seems like everything that you talked about today, we talked about in our family. And I let people know right up front, I want you to know something, that wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit. Pastor George, it just seemed like you were talking just to me. It wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear, This one's for you. And when that happens, I say this because I am AAA and I like to go fast. I like to get in a lot of verses in the 35 minutes that I have with you. You need to go home and you need to take that deeper. You see, God teaches, but our part is that we need to take it deeper. Our part is that we need to learn. Let me read this out of Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. You only have verse 14, but I want to read the verses before as I thought about this. We have much to say about this. That is the writer of Hebrews. But it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. And he's about ready to get rude here, okay? He's kind of leaning in on this knee-to-knee, face-to-face conversation. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not spiritual food, not solid food. And anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted about the teachings of righteousness. But solid food is for those who are mature, who have trained themselves to recognize the difference between right and wrong and then do what is right. In essence, the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, listen up. Do you want to know how to get from babyhood to adulthood? It happens as you handle accurately the word of truth and you train yourself to discern between bad, evil, and good. And I would say this, because if you read the, the, the whole of Scripture, you'll know that we are called to discern between that which is good and that which is the best. Folks, when I read that, that gives me hope. Because every single one of us can learn the truths of God. That they are not just for the elite, for the the spiritual kind like a pastor. You and I can decide to actually pursue learning. And he says, if you do, you're going to find me. But you're going to have to practice it. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. I will never forget when I was about two years old in the Lord. I saw this other person, and I don't know how old, they were definitely older than I was, they weren't a pastor or anything, but I could see maturity in their life, and I came up to him. and I says, how is it that you know so much about the Bible, and I just see that you're walking the walk and talking the talk, and he says, let me tell you what I did, he says, I started out by just memorizing one verse a week, and then adding a topic to that, and then coming up with applications and how I could apply it that week, and over a year's time, I had 52 different topics, and I knew how to apply them. That impacted my life. That helped me to be the preacher that I am today. That's why if you've been around here, you know I'm personal and I am practical. And I'm positive. Because God wants you and I to learn the truths of his, not just know them. And so if I was in this conversation, knee to knee and face to face, the last thing that I would say would be simply this. That, will you write this down? God's part is that he brings good out of evil, and my part is that He, is that I endure. God's part in helping me grow a deep soul, the core of who I really am, is that he brings good out of evil, and my part is that I need to endure. One of my favorite promises is in Romans 8, 28, and it's amazing to me as people are going through tunnels of chaos how they don't have promises that are anchors to their soul. But this promise out of Romans 8 is one that's oftentimes misunderstood and misapplied. Let me read this. It says, we are well aware that God's work with those who love him, those who have been called in accordance with his purpose, and turns everything to their good. You see, knowing that verse, when you are going through a tunnel of chaos, doesn't automatically wipe out the pain. We'll learn that in the tunnel of chaos when we get into it. It doesn't automatically wipe out the t- pain and diminish all the negative emotions and the hurt that's going on. And yet oftentimes when people share that verse, that's what they imply. Hey, why don't you just get over it? Hey, you know, your emotions aren't that bad. Stop hurting, stop feeling. But folks, that isn't what God's saying here. God's saying in this verse, I love you, you matter to me. And that thing that is hurting you right now Eventually, I will will turn that hurt into something good. And if you and I have that kind of certainty around that verse, do you know what that produces in us? Endurance. It gives us ability to hold on, if I could put it this way, in light of the series, so that we can walk through the tunnel of chaos. Take a look at Colossians 1, verse 11. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, which is inward. Folks, I am convinced that if we had the time to bring up some moms here, we would hear stories about moms and how they endured the unendurable. The very thing that they thought that they would not be able to endure, they were able to endure not because they gritted their teeth and got through it, but because of the glorious strength of God. Some of us this morning may not be there. Some of us may be thinking, you know what, this all sounds well and good, George, but I'm not convinced that I am on that path. I don't know if I can endure. I'd like to close with two questions. And the first one is this, what would it look like though, if you chose not to grow? Read Jeremiah 17, five and six, because here's the picture that he gives us. This is what the Lord says, cursed, and scratch out cursed." the better interpretation would be doomed. Doomed are those who put their trust in mere humans and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for their future. They will live in the barren wilderness on the salty flats where no one lives. That sounds really ugly, doesn't it? With big capital letters, U-G-L-Y. I mean, who wants to be ugly? Not in Collin County, at least. I mean, who wants to have a barren, hopeless, stunted life? Who wants to be like a tumbleweed that is blown here and blown there and has no direction in life? By that verse, will you write the word ugly? An ugly, hopeless, aimless, wandering life. You see, the prophet Jeremiah, in essence, what he is doing here is he is calling the nation of Israel back into a covenant relationship with Jehovah God. God is the one that had delivered them from slavery out of Egypt. God is the one that divided the Red Sea. God is the one that did a lot of miracles to help them defeat the Egyptians. God provided for them in the desert. And this slavery that they had just come out of had impacted these Hebrews so much so that they never wanted to return. They never wanted to go back. But they began to drift. They were so insecure in their relationship with Christ that they wanted to experiment with other things because they didn't want to go back there. But as a result, they did read it in Scripture, we go, "How stupid are they?" I mean, don't, didn't they see? Red Sea, all these 10 miracles? God providing for them in the wilderness? I mean, what's going on? But we do the same thing, don't we? We allow sin and suffering to pull us away from our relationship with God. We allow sin and suffering to harden our hearts, and yet God waits. God chooses to wait and to call us back to himself. I love you and I am for you. And this picture that he gives, that he has for us, is found in the next two verses. In Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they go right on producing delicious fruit. Will you circle the word fruit? You see, this is the picture that God has of us. Will you write this down in that blank? Beautiful fruitfulness in every season of life. And what fruit is it? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Our inner man, our inner person. You see, when I see qualities like that, you know what that gives me? It gives me hope. Let me show you some pictures of my family. And if I can have one here so I can make sure they're up there. To the upper left, yeah, or your, yeah, upper left, I was wondering, is my mom and my wife. In the lower right there, it's my wife and my three daughters-in-law. One's from India, one's from Mexico, and one's a Yankee, came from Texas. We have a multicultural family. And then, we have my granddaughters. Layla and Isley, these are the women in my world, okay? When I look at my mom and I see how she's instilling godly character in my wife, it gives me hope. When I see that my wife takes that godly character and then seeks to bring it into the lives of my daughter's-in-law, it gives me hope. And when I see that my daughter and daughter's-in-law are instilling that character into my grandchildren, it gives me hope that you and I can reach the next generation for Jesus Christ. And you want to know what else it does? You see, when I'm around people who are full of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, you know what it want, you know what it does in me? It wants me to be around them. I love being around my family. Because I see the fruit of the Spirit. This is what Paul talks about in Philippians 1.11. Look at this. Bountiful in fruits from the soul. The inner person. Making Jesus Christ attractive to all. Circle that. Getting everyone involved in the glory and the praise of God. Folks, I love the women in my life. I love my mom. I love my wife. I love... I love Melissa, I love Carolina, I love Sarah, I love Layla, and I love Isley. These are the women in my world. And I wanna say this, I love the women of Life Point Church. I am humbled to be your pastor as I see God working in your life, developing your inner core, and reflecting the fruit of Jesus. Let me just say this. Continue the good fight because God has promised what he starts, he will finish. Ladies, moms, I love you. Let's pray. Lord, today, we thank you that you have laid down the gauntlet and pointed us towards that which is most important of loving you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and yes, even our bodies, our strength. God, help us to focus in on those things that are the most important those things that give us hope because we see you working in us and changing us and changing the world around us and even changing the next generation. And God, may we bask in that community with our families and with our spiritual family. God, may we be a community that truly does seek after the most important things and just learn how to love on one another. Today, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey, but maybe you haven't dropped Christ from your head to your heart. <laughs> you celebrate Easter, but you haven't made him Lord. Today's your day. Would you just say this in the quietness of your heart? God, today, I wanna make you number one. I'm gonna drop you from my head to my heart. I'm gonna give you access in every area to begin changing me that I might have hope, that it might produce hope in other people, that I might be able to even impact people that are beyond my generation. God, today I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, that you resurrected from the grave to prove that what you said is truth and that I can take it to the bank. So God, come in. Thank you for the forgiveness that I have through you. I look forward to the future and what you're going to do in me and through me. And if you prayed that prayer in your own words, as long as you meant it, God hurt you. Would you let me know on your connection card? Just put your name, maybe an email address. Put the letter A saying, I've accepted Christ. And I'll get you some literature that'll help you understand what you just did. Well, Lord, we give you this. We thank you for this day, this special day where we celebrate just our moms. Each of us have one. And so God, work in us and work through us for your glory and for other people's good. In your son's name we pray, amen.